Welcome to Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. What does it take to lead yourself and your teams to high performance with ease? Today, you'll discover simple practices that separate exceptional leaders from the rest. Now, here is your host, Nicole Bendeley. Hi, everyone. Happy New Year. Welcome to this episode of Leading on Purpose. I'm Nicole Bendeley. It is finally the start of 2021. I'm just taking a big sigh of relief because I think it's safe to say that we are all happy to say goodbye to 2020. And you know, January is actually one of my favorite months of the year, even though it can be here in Toronto, gray and really cold, and I'm outside shoveling and putting, you know, a ton of gear on my kids just to get out the door. It's still one of my favorite months of the year because it's the time of year when we can all press the reset button, right? January brings this sense of hope, this sense of optimism and anticipation for what the year will bring, and for what we can each create and make happen throughout the year. And so my goal this year, my goal is to help as many teams as leaders as possible to strengthen their ability to not only withstand any type of change or crisis like a pandemic that's thrown at them, It's not just about withstanding. My goal is to help people to do more than withstand, to do more than survive. My goal is to help as many teams and leaders to thrive far more than struggle, no matter what is thrown at them. And one of the many things this past year made clear is that the world of work has been forever changed. And it is especially evident in the way leaders must now lead if you want the best from your people. Through my work and research with teams this year and through my many interviews with thought leaders through this podcast that you've likely listened to, it is abundantly clear that the teams that were able to thrive more than struggle throughout this pandemic are those that were being led by leaders who prioritize their people. You know, we talk a lot about empathy, vulnerability, the need to be flexible, right? These are leadership traits that have always been important. And in some organizations, at the very least, nice to have. But these types of traits, empathy and vulnerability and flexibility are now non-negotiable table stakes. They are must-haves thanks to 2020. And this year has brought many tough but necessary leadership lessons, lessons that we're going to be looking at through this episode. And if you commit to and apply even just one or two of the practices that I'll I'll be sharing with you, you'll set yourself and your team up for success. And that's what I want for you. I want you and your team to set yourselves up for the best year yet. And put 2020 in the rearview mirror, but not everything. Bring forward the lessons that you can apply to your success this year. And the practices that I'm going to be sharing with you today will differentiate exceptional leaders from the rest in 2021. 
right? These are the practices that those leaders that were able to thrive last year will prioritize this year. Okay, so let's start with the first practice. And I want you to keep in mind too, this isn't meant to overwhelm. This is meant to share lessons and some practical advice and the key practices that you can apply right away. But the goal here isn't to apply everything at once. It's to listen and think about which practice resonates most with you as far as what will make the biggest difference to you and your team this year. And then do that practice. And then come back to the other practices later on when you've mastered the first. All right? So the first essential leadership practice for 2021 and, and this is really any time, but this became really evident this past year, is for leaders to understand and appreciate the effort and not just the outcomes. You know, there's been a lot of focus this past year, and rightly so. I wrote a number of articles on the topic for Forbes on how to effectively lead a remote team. But leaders today are not simply leading remote teams. They are leading remote teams during a pandemic. And this is a big difference. This was a difference that I was reminded of by Christopher Littlefield. If you recall, he was an amazing guest on a previous episode where we talked all about the power of conversation. And he reminded us all that this difference, that we're not just remote teams, we're remote teams in a pandemic can easily be forgotten as we settle into new norms. And it was the most effective teams this past year who had leaders who never lose sight of the context in which their people are working, right? The most effective teams have leaders who strive to understand and acknowledge the extra effort and energy and capacity that is now required to achieve results during a time of such disruption. During a time when people are no longer, you know, just solely focused on work at the office, they're multitasking, taking care of kids, family members, running to get COVID tests, running to buy masks, making sure toilet paper isn't running out, running how to, wondering how to get groceries, et cetera, et cetera. So the best leaders in 2020 were acutely aware that what people are craving most right now is to be seen, to be understood, and to be appreciated for what they are dealing with behind their computer screens when we check out of Zoom. And as Simon Sinek said, the leaders who get the most out of their people are the leaders who care most about their people. And while this pandemic will not last forever, right, the lesson is clear. Recognizing effort matters as much as recognizing outcomes when it comes to building a highly engaged, high-performing team. When you take time to both understand and appreciate the effort being made by your team members, You are showing you care about your team members as much as you care about the outcomes they are producing. When you focus on the effort by demonstrating curiosity 
for what it takes for them to achieve the outcomes, curiosity through asking questions and building a dialogue around the processes they're following, the challenges they're encountering, the strengths they're using to achieve their outcomes, what's working for them, what's not. You strengthen dialogue, you strengthen collaboration, you create opportunities for coaching and learning and innovation. And finally, understanding and appreciating the effort strengthens the main driver of employee engagement, which is trust. And as you know, as I've shared on this podcast a number of times, because it's such a powerful and important statistic, is that research through Marcus Buckingham and his team at ADP found that an individual is 12 times more likely to be engaged when they trust their leader. 12 times. So what does trust look like then? How do we actually build trust, especially during a a time of crisis? Well, we build trust as a leader when we do three things, right? When we achieve results, when we show we're good at our job, right? We're producing results. We have the technical skills. We build trust when we act with integrity, Acting with integrity is all about walking the talk. Your behavior matches, right, what you're preaching. Your um, information that you share reflects what you know. You're honest. You're transparent. You treat each and every person with equal respect. You do unto others as you would want them to do unto you, right? And then the final Peace, which is where leaders can really build even greater trust with their teams by focusing on this element. Because I'm going to assume that you already achieve results. I'm going to assume that you already act with integrity. And there's always room for this third piece. We build trust when we show we care. And we show care in a number of ways as leaders. We show care when we show that we understand and considered the impact our decisions have on others and the team and our stakeholders, et cetera, et cetera. We show we care when we genuinely ask for input and engage people in productive, meaningful conversations and decision-making. We show we care when we know our team members, when we take time to recognize and understand what their strengths are and what meaningful work looks like to them and connect them to meaningful work. We show we care when we champion our team, when we lift them up, when we celebrate and promote their successes and achievements to others within the organization. We show we care when we coach and support people in their development. And most importantly, we show we care, and we can do this each and every day, when we appreciate and recognize no matter how small, they can be the little things. Now, the difference is right now is recognizing and appreciating the effort, as I said, and not just the outcomes. It also is about recognizing that sometimes it is more about learning and taking risks than it is about achieving a specific KPI, right? Which means focusing and recognizing the energy, the process, and the learning that comes from the process and the experience is even more important than the outcome. So taking action, what can you do that, right? Well, I'd like you to consider examining your one-to-one meetings. 
right? The one-to-one meetings that you have with your staff or even your team meetings, but, but think about the one-to-ones first and ask yourself, how much time am I spending understanding the process, understanding the experience and the effort required for my team members to achieve their objectives? How much time am I spending asking questions and seeking to understand, you know, the how behind the lists of tasks and updates my team members are sharing with me? Because the time you spend with your team members is invaluable. It is gold, right? Your meetings are where trust is built, where decisions are made, where relationships are strengthened, collaboration happens, and learning and innovation occur. And none of that can occur through a simple download of updates and tasks. That only occurs through dialogue and curiosity, through the asking of questions and listening. So if your meetings are mostly made up of your people downloading updates to you, as opposed to a meaningful dialogue where you can truly learn about your team members and understand what it takes for them to do their work well, then you're wasting valuable time. So this is a place to start and it's a simple place to start. My goal isn't to add more to your to-do list. My goal is to help you find time you're already using and use it better. Okay? So, Ask yourself, do I need to recognize and appreciate the effort more? Do I need to build greater trust and strengthen relationships within my team? Because if the answer is yes, then that's the place to start. Now, the next practice that the best leaders in 2021 will do is that they will practice and prioritize team effectiveness. I can't express enough how important teamwork and team development and the effectiveness of your team is. A crisis or even a significant change will either propel a team to tap into its true greatness and shine, or it will widen any cracks in its foundation and cause the team to crumble. So it's not surprising then that teams who were able to perform at their very best throughout 2020 were those who are already cohesive with a strong foundation of trust, respect, and collaboration. And what 2020 taught many leaders is that teamwork matters now more than ever. And that if a team can't function at its best and deliver exceptional results during stable times, there is little hope for it to function well during difficult times. And leaders who waited who waited to focus on teamwork until they had no choice, right? Who waited until their teams were suddenly and dramatically uprooted from their comfort zones of their office spaces and dropped into their kitchens or dining room tables or bedrooms, right? And amidst the chaos of the pandemic, leaders who waited until then to focus on developing their teams and strengthening their team's effectiveness paid a significant price. And that price came in the form of, and it wasn't just the leaders who paid the price, by the way, their team members paid the price as well. And that price came in the form of burnout, right? Overwhelm, wheel spinning, 
so much wasted time, so much wasted energy, frustration, and significant disengagement and reduced productivity. The silver lining, though, is that it really is never too late to prioritize team effectiveness. And it doesn't have to be complicated and time-consuming. It can be quite simple. The trick is to focus on the practices that are most essential to your team's ability to perform well, no matter the disruption and change they face. And in my over 20 years of research in team performance, and in particular my research this year during the pandemic, the research shows that the most resilient, the most effective teams demonstrate common traits. And so I'm going to share some of these traits with you. And I want you to take a listen and identify which one you think will be most important for your team to focus on over the first couple of months of 2021. Okay, so one of the things the most resilient teams do is that they know exactly what they are striving for and how to achieve it together, right? They're highly cohesive. So for example, during COVID, the most effective teams paused to reconnect to their common goal and to clarify expectations. And they literally just spent maybe an hour, they dedicated one team meeting to reconnecting to their goal and to clarify expectations. So they ask questions like, how does COVID affect, how is COVID, how is this pandemic affecting our team's goal? Does it affect the goal? What does success look like for our team over the course of the next year? What are the top three to five priorities most important to achieving success? And which behaviors and practices will enable us to work as effectively as together as possible through this crisis? Right? They came together to reconnect and ask, is, are the goals we set still applicable given the context in which we're working right now? What does success look like? What do we need to prioritize? And how are we going to work together so that we can be at our best? This is all about building team cohesion, right? And if you feel that your team isn't as cohesive as it could be, then this is definitely the place to start. And so when we get back from break, we'll go through the next couple of practices that the most essential, the most effective teams practiced during 2020. All right, we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Leading a team today can be hard, but it doesn't have to be a struggle. With Kenco's self-paced e-course, Leading High Performance Teams, you'll gain everything you need to build the cohesion, communication, and engagement needed for your team to thrive. Right now, save 30% off the e-course. Plus, Nicole, host of Leading on Purpose, is including two coaching sessions with her at no extra charge. Use promo code VA30 when you visit kand.co slash ecourse. That's promo code VA30. Would you like a complimentary strategy session with Leading on Purpose host Nicole Bendeley? Nicole and her team have been making it possible for leaders to achieve exceptional results with ease for over 40 years. 
Nicole will help you to discover what's getting in your team's way from even better results and will share with you the simple practices that will make a big difference to your performance and theirs. Visit kand.co slash strategy and book your session with Nicole today. That's kand.co slash strategy. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned into Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. Find out more about Nicole and her company, K&Co, and check out her suite of leadership tools and resources at kand.co. Now, back to Leading on Purpose. All right. Welcome back, everyone. So we have been exploring um, the practices that leaders, the best leaders in 2020 will make a priority, right, that they will do. And the first practice we looked at was appreciating and recognizing the effort and not just the outcomes. And now we're looking at um, prioritizing team effectiveness. And the best, the most resilient teams prioritize a number of things when it comes to prioritizing team effectiveness. One of them is building cohesion, right, which we talked about before break. And the next practice is all about building a culture of psychological safety, because your team cannot begin to strengthen anything else unless there is a foundation of trust and respect, a solid foundation of trust and respect. So the most resilient, high-performing teams ensure they consistently build and maintain that level of trust and respect, right? Because it is trust and respect that allow for people to speak up and ask for help, right? It is the trust and respect that allow people to be vulnerable and share concerns, their feelings and needs. It is trust and respect that allow for the sharing of ideas, for the ability to rock the boat and challenge the status quo, all while assuming each person has a positive intent and the best interest of the team and organization in mind. And so, if it is broken, if trust is lacking and respect is lacking, the trust building starts with you, the leader, right? While trust and building it is everybody's responsibility, if you're operating, if your team is operating in an unhealthy climate, the responsibility for trust building starts with you. It lies with you, the leader. So how do you do that? How do you build trust? Well, the first practice I shared, recognize and appreciate, especially appreciating the effort. That goes a long way to building trust, to building relationships and showing you care. The best way to build trust in your team is to show you care, right? You can also build trust by, by bringing your team together and reconnecting to its common goals to asking questions around what does success look like? What do we need to do better or differently? What are our strengths? And building that dialogue within the team to clarify expectations, right? There are a number of ways you can start building trust right away. And feel free to reach out to me 
right, via the Voice America network or directly to me via email, and I'd be happy to chat with you about a number of strategies because this is essential. If there isn't trust, you cannot begin to strengthen anything else. And if you'd like to measure the level of trust and engagement within your organization and strengthen your culture, I strongly recommend um, the Engage survey by Waterstone Human Capital. So if you want to measure trust across your organization, along with the level of engagement and determine really how you can strengthen that level of trust, check out waterstonehc.com and check out their Engage survey. Um, That'll be a big help. So, The next practice in in effective teams, in building effective, resilient teams, is that these teams make the most of their team meetings. And we all know how exhausting Zoom meetings are or any web conferencing technology, right? Any web meeting. It's exhausting. People are exhausted. I'm so exhausted that I can barely say yes to my girlfriends when they say, hey, let's have a, a Zoom drink. I can't handle any more Zoom meetings. It is overwhelming to the point where it increases people's anxiety, just the thought of turning on their camera. And and regardless of the medium your meetings are held in, far too many meetings result in a waste of precious time and a waste of focus and result in frustration and disengagement. So the most resilient teams know the time they spend together is essential and they make the most of their time together. And they do that by doing a few things, okay? The team identifies and commits to how they need to show up, right? So similar to the previous practice around asking the team, what are those behaviors and practices that we need to demonstrate in order to achieve success together? It's the same type of conversation when it comes to your meetings. Asking your team members, what are the behaviors and practices that we need to commit to in our meetings? What do we need to do together? How do we need to show up together in order to ensure our Zoom meetings are the best use of our time and we walk away feeling our time was well spent, energized and knowing exactly what we're supposed to do and feeling good about it, right? Teams make their meetings productive when they're isn't a meaningful objective for their meeting, right? When they know why they're meeting and what they're there to achieve. So they ensure every meeting has an objective, even if that objective is simply to get together and and catch up, right? Because that's important too. But every meeting has an objective. They make their most of their meetings also by ensuring that more time is dedicated to dialogue to collaboration, to idea generation and decision-making, then to updates and downloading of information. So a lot of teams I worked with this, this year, we did an audit of their team meetings. And more often than not, the agendas I was given were, you know, a full long list of items on the agenda that bear, they barely got to. And they were mostly updates. And so even just doing a quick check of what is our, our meetings, uh, what do our meetings cover and is that valuable and what would make the most sense 
to us and make the most use of our time together. Make sure there's enough time for dialogue and collaboration, and that's the priority. And then these teams that did really well this year, they also used the right tools and technology because not everybody is comfortable you know, always having their video on or always speaking up. Some people are never comfortable to speak up. Um, and it's easy to hide <laughs> on, on Zoom. And so using technology and the right tools to capture your team members' ideas, right, and input and opinions and to capture questions, tools like Mentimeter, tools like Jamboard, right, um, Use the right tools for depending on the purpose of your meeting, especially if you want engagement and participation. So if your meetings, if you're feeling frustrated by your meetings, if your team members are frustrated, if this is, if you ask questions and you get complete silence in your meetings, if they are a waste of time, this is a place to start. Also, improving your meetings can improve trust because when we improve our meetings, we improve our dialogue, we improve our participation, right? We carve out time for focusing on conversations that matter, like what's working in our team? What do we want to achieve this year? What do we want to do differently? How can we support each other? What do you need from one another? That type of conversation builds trust. And then finally, The most resilient teams are change compatible, right? The most resilient teams are mindful of how they react to change and choose to approach change with the mindset of how can we do our best to make this work, even though we may not like it or agree with it. And and change compatibility requires flexibility, and intention. Teams must consciously choose to adapt and find ways to make change work for them, the team, and the organization. And teams actively strengthen their change compatibility by by doing a number of things, right? They choose to be open to new ideas. They choose to carve out time in their team meetings, so that they can consider and talk about how to change their approaches to current processes or improve how they approach certain projects or how they achieve certain goals. So they carve out time for innovative thinking by asking how can we do certain things differently and consciously challenging the status quo. So again, I go back to the previous practice of making the most of your meetings and ask you how much time is spent in in innovative thinking, in thinking differently and sparking new ideas and new ways of doing things, not just for the sake of change, but for change's sake, but for the sake of learning, for the sake of building our creativity and flexibility and change muscles, right? We need to work at those muscles, And unless we intentionally carve out time to do so, when change happens to us, we won't be ready for it and won't have built up the muscle memory to be able to adapt effectively to it, 
right? So that goes hand in hand with creating opportunities for risk-taking and being open to failure for the purpose of learning and innovation. The most resilient teams take risks. They're used to taking risks. Right. And in fact, in one of my uh, on one of the episodes with Sarah, Sarah McVannell, uh, where we talked about her book, The Flip Side of Failing, she shared that through her research, she discovered that the best teams, the best leaders actually strive for failure. Right. They reach so high for their goals that they expect to fail along the way. And it is through failure that we learn. It is through mistakes that we learn and become better. And the more you encourage your team to do that, and I don't mean catastrophic failure, right? I mean, little mistakes along the way or trying something to see if it will work for the benefit of the learning and applying that to something else. Encourage that within your team. Right. And so it was interesting. I was working with a a financial services, a large financial organization in the States, and we conducted a team assessment and they, they identified, we use the team fitness tool that measures seven elements of a high performance team. And through that team assessment, they identified their strengths and they had a number of strengths and they also identified their opportunities for improvement. And their biggest opportunity for improvement came under two elements, innovative thinking and change compatibility, which often go hand in hand. And they are so committed, they were so committed to strengthening their innovation and their ability to think differently and to really challenge the status quo. The challenge was, is that they were operating within a culture, a very traditional culture that was risk averse, being a financial institution. And so what it took was to become more innovative, to become more comfortable with failure and change and taking risks. It took challenging the assumptions and beliefs that were embedded within this team as a result of the culture they were operating in. Assumptions like, I'm, I have to be perfect. I'm not allowed to make mistakes. Assumptions like, new ideas just won't fly around here. Assumptions like, well, I'm not just that, I'm just not that creative. And so what we did with this team was just have them list all of the assumptions they had about what innovative, being innovative means and what it looks like within their organization and identified the ones that were preventing them from really building a culture within their team of innovation within the barriers they worked. And so the first step is to understand what does innovation and risk-taking look like for you? right? And your team, how can we do more of that? And why is it important? Okay. And then ask your team, what's holding us back from doing this? What are our beliefs and assumptions that we hold that are preventing us from doing this? And it may not be beliefs or assumptions. It usually is, but it's also likely time. 
So it's about carving out time to do so. Because again, I'm going to underscore this. If your team members are not flexing their risk-taking muscles, are not building those muscles, are not seeking opportunity to not be perfect, to make mistakes and to learn, when change comes at them, and we probably won't have another pandemic for a while, I hope, but there will still be disruption and change. They will be less prepared to cope and thrive through it if they have not built up the muscles to do so. Okay? So creating opportunities for risk-taking and being open to failure for the purpose of learning and innovation is what resilient teams do regularly. Okay? Resilient teams also approach change from the perspective of how can we make this change work? right? Resilient teams are very conscious of their emotions and their reactions and individually choose not to allow their emotions to overtake their behaviors and how they show up. They take more of an objective approach to change. It's not that they stamp down and push down all their feelings and fears. No, they take time to address them and talk about them for the purpose of getting to a place of finding, figuring out how to make the change work, right? The intention is to make the change work. The intention isn't to block it or resist it or stop it, right? The intention is to make it work. And part of that process of making it work is venting sometimes. It's dialoguing. It's having a conversation around what are we worried about? And then looking at how can we make this change work, right? Part of being resilient and change compatible is also about talking about what's working, what's not on a regular basis, checking in, right? Those, the most resilient teams through COVID checked in daily at the beginning, and then it moved to weekly, and then it moved to biweekly on what's working and what's not, Where are we on our goals? How are we working together? How is our remote working working, right? Is Zoom working for us? What do we need to do differently um, through for our, our virtual meetings, et cetera? Checking in on how the change is affecting the team and having the team share that. Okay. So we just reviewed two of the things the best leaders will do in 2020. Recognize and appreciate the effort and prioritize team effectiveness. And the best leaders will do one more thing. And I'll share that one more thing when we get back from break. Talk to you in a minute. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Would you like a complimentary strategy session with Leading on Purpose host, Nicole Bendeley? Nicole and her team have been making it possible for leaders to achieve exceptional results with ease for over 40 years. Nicole will help you to discover what's getting in your team's way from even better results and will share with you the simple practices that will make a big difference to your performance and theirs. Visit kand.co slash strategy and book your session with Nicole today. That's kand.co slash strategy. 
Leading a team today can be hard, but it doesn't have to be a struggle. With Kenco's self-paced e-course, leading high-performance teams, you'll gain everything you need to build the cohesion, communication, and engagement needed for your team to thrive. Right now, save 30% off the e-course. Plus, Nicole, host of Leading on Purpose, is including two coaching sessions with her at no extra charge. Use promo code VA30 when you visit kand.co slash ecourse. That's promo code VA30. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are tuned into Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. Find out more about Nicole and her company, K&Co, and check out her suite of leadership tools and resources at kand.co. Now, back to Leading on Purpose. All right. So before we jump into the, the third practice that the best leaders will will do in 2021, I want to share with you an example, an example of a team that prioritized team effectiveness during a major change. And this was an an oncology team at a hospital here in Canada. And, And this team was preparing for, like I said, a substantial change. After over 20 years of working in their, their, their facility, they were planning a move to a new state-of-the-art center. And a change of this magnitude, of course, comes with a number of challenges, right? Most importantly, ensuring the team is prepared to manage the transition to the new building in a manner that will have zero impact, no negative impact on the quality of care, right? The quality of patient care delivering the best care possible needed to be top of mind and seamless, And so the director of oncology recognized very early on that the success of the move will ultimately be determined, determined, you know, neither by the team's ability to implement a project plan, right, nor by her ability as the director to manage logistical and tactical issues, while these are important, the director recognized that a successful transition will be driven in great part by the team's overall effectiveness. She knew that change happens through people and that if her people weren't operating effectively as a cohesive team, then the change wouldn't work effectively and that she would be putting her patients at risk and the well-being of her team and effectiveness of her team at risk. And so I was invited to work with the team to help them to prepare for the com- the coming change, right? And what we did was simple. As I said at the beginning of the previous practice, focusing on team effectiveness and making a priority doesn't have to be complicated and it doesn't have to be time consuming. The trick is to focus on the practices that are most essential to your team's ability to perform at their best. So how do you know what's most important to your team? Well, you can ask them, right? So in this case, with the oncology team, we started 
uh, with the team completing a quick assessment of their team's effectiveness. They did a quick pulse check using the team fitness tool, which, as I've said, measures teams against the seven elements of a high-performance team. And this was an important first step because it gave the team a very clear and reliable picture of the team's strengths and their opportunities for improvement from the team's perspective, right? You, the leader, likely have a sense of what's working and what's not within your team, but your perspective may likely be very different than your team members' perspectives, given the different relationships they're involved in and the detailed work that they're involved in and the different committees and projects that they're involved in at a different level, right? And so creating the opportunity to allow team members to share, this is what's working and this is what's not working that well, um, created even greater trust just from the outset because people were being asked to share in an honest way. And so I then, once they completed the assessment, I I brought the team together to do a couple of things. And this did not take very long. This was just a few hours, right? Brought the team together to recognize and celebrate the strengths they identified, the strengths that were essential to their ability to deliver the best care Right? I brought them together so that they could ground themselves in their common purpose, in their common goals, and in the strengths that, that bind them. When teams experience a lot of overwhelm and anxiety and fears about the unknown, like so many teams experience this year, it's even more important to take time, even if you just carve it out at the beginning of your team meeting, right? to connect people and ground them in what feels good. And what feels good is our why, our purpose, why we do the work we do. What feels good is the positive impact we make, no matter how small. What feels good is what we all have in common. What feels good is what we are all striving to achieve together. When you can bring your team together to focus on those things, even just for five minutes at the beginning or at the end of a meeting, you will feel that level of energy go up, right? We will elevate people's mindsets and energy to a a feeling good energy as opposed to a feeling overwhelmed. We will be reconnected and grounded in our purpose and raison d'etre and our commonalities as opposed to our differences. And so getting back to the oncology team, once the team grounded themselves in their strengths, right, they then took a look at their opportunities for improvement. And they asked, you know, given how we've assessed ourselves, what are the areas that are most important to our ability to successfully move through this change? Right. And so what they identified was that they needed to strengthen their cohesion and their change compatibility. And specifically around cohesion, they needed to strengthen the clarity and respect and trust they had for the various roles and responsibilities within their team. 
right? This was an interprofessional team with a number of different roles, and there was some confusion as to who was doing what and a need to have greater respect for each other's roles. And then secondly, around change compatibility, they needed to specifically address the attitude they had towards change and their fear of failure. Of course, in healthcare, there's a significant fear of failure and not making mistakes, right? Healthcare, high reliability organizations, mistakes can ultimately result in people dying. And so there is this fear of making mistakes and failing within healthcare that is strong. So once these two opportunities for improvement were identified by the team, they were able to then identify exactly what they needed to do in order to strengthen their effectiveness and move through this change better. They removed the burden of, oh my gosh, and the overwhelm of, oh my gosh, we need to improve our team. How are we going to do that? That's huge. To chunking it down to here are our amazing strengths and here are one or two things that we can focus on to be even better. And so then it was far clearer and actionable as far as what do we need to do? It wasn't as muddy and overwhelming and big. It was clear and practical and a far more tactical approach to improving how they work together. And so they developed their action plan and and then I continued to support them through some learning and development to help them build their their ability to, to manage through and thrive through change. So again, the trick is to focus on the practices that are most important to you and your team. In order to know what those are, you need to understand your team's strengths and their specific opportunities for improvement, not just from your perspective, but from all of their perspectives as well. And then take action on one or two areas. Okay. So the final practice, we're now moving into the third leadership practice that will differentiate high-performing leaders from the rest. And this is all about leading on purpose. Okay. And It's the name of my podcast, but this is one of the things that the best leaders in 2021 will do. And I'm not sure if you've read the book, Leading from Purpose. If you haven't, I strongly recommend you pick one up. It's by Nick Craig. And in his book, Leading on Purpose, he states that whether in business or in our personal lives, a strong sense of purpose offers firm footing on shifting ground. And so what better time to find and stay connected to your purpose than during a pandemic that has disrupted every aspect of our lives. And when you clear when you are clear on your purpose as a leader, you will lead more purposefully and you will lead authentically. And you will bring a level of focus and commitment and energy that will propel you and your team forward, regardless of how much the world shifts under you and around you. And so if you're not experiencing joy and energy and passion in your work on a regular basis, even during times of crisis, then my friend, you're not connected to your true purpose as a leader. And you and your team will suffer for it. 
And this isn't about each day being filled with rainbows and unicorns and and being completely devoid of stressors and challenges. No, it's about being grounded in something larger and more meaningful than the actual work you do. It's about knowing why you do what you do and knowing that you are contributing meaningfully to your organization, to your team, and to your own life and the world in a way that is directly aligned with your values and the impact you want to create. As Malcolm Gladwell says, hard work is a prison cell only if the work has no meaning. It isn't easy to get on purpose and to stay there. It's really not. It takes determination. It takes mindfulness. And most importantly, it takes knowing what your purpose as a leader is. And getting on purpose is a full contact sport. It will take time, some soul searching, some risk taking, and it will definitely require you to step outside of your comfort zone. And so consider reflecting on the following questions to clarify your leadership purpose with the goal of crafting a purpose statement that you can use for yourself to guide you every day, to set your intentions every day, and to share with your team as well. So think about what's important to you as a leader. What do you enjoy doing that brings out the best in you? What are you or what were you passionate about when you were younger? What did you love to do as a child? What impact do you want to have on others? What's meaningful to you? What legacy do you want to leave behind? These questions take time to answer, right? Especially if you haven't thought through them before. And if you don't have a clear purpose, I do suggest that this is the practice that you start with. Begin by getting clear on why you do what you do, why you do the work you do. What type of impact do you want to have? What difference do you want to make? What do you love to do in your work? And craft a purposeful purpose statement that will guide you and ground you especially when the world shifts around you and beneath your feet. And so just to recap, the three practices the best leaders in 2020 will do, they will appreciate and recognize the effort, not just the outcomes. They will prioritize team effectiveness and they will lead on purpose. And so it is my hope and wish for you and your teams that you will experience and not only experience, create, create together the best year yet. And in order to do that, your team must be working on a foundation of trust and respect. They must know exactly what they're working towards and how they're going to do it together They must feel valued and appreciated and recognized and engaged. And you, as their leader, need to be clear 
on your purpose and connect to it and stay committed to it daily for you and your teams to thrive. And so I wish you and your teams all the very best this year and want nothing more for you to than to thrive more and struggle far less. Until next week, have a really, really great week. Take care. Thank you for joining us this week. Please tune in again for another edition of Leading on Purpose with your host, Nicole Bendeley, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel next Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Have a wonderful week.